0: Hey there, folks. Welcome to Rock and Rally Tennis, where it's all tennis all the time. I'm James Lynn. Follow us on Twitter at Rock and Rally. That's rock underscore and underscore rally. And on Facebook at facebook.com backslash rock and rally tennis. Rock and Rally Tennis podcast episode number 162 is brought to you by CareerWonder.com the ultimate career resource site featuring video interviews of professionals from a wide array of industries. sharing in the stories, journeys, and insights about their careers and jobs at CareerWonder.com. Well, what an incredible Wimbledon. Congratulations to Simona Halep and Novak Djokovic. For Halep, it was her first Wimbledon singles crown and second Grand Slam singles title overall. Now, it took Halep a couple of rounds to find her top form, but once she found it, she locked in and did not look back. From the third round through the final, Halep did not drop a set, running through several formidable opponents in rather routine fashion, including former number one and two-time Grand Slam singles champion Victoria Azarenka, 15-year-old sensation Coco Goff, current world number eight Alina Svitolina in the semis, and then Serena in a final that lasted just 56 minutes. Now, this is probably the best I have seen Halep play, and it's worth noting that, while she is one of the best conditioned athletes on the WTA, she is listed at 5'6", and is not as physically imposing as many of her opponents. Now, one of the things about Halep I've talked about in previous podcasts is that she has a tendency to expend a lot of, well, what I deem as unnecessary energy uh, in her matches. Now, it's tough to win a Grand Slam when you do that, because the a Grand Slam title requires winning seven matches over two weeks. But I thought Halep did a great job staying focused and relaxed, which enabled her to be much more efficient in her her run to capturing the Wimbledon title. Hopefully capturing her second major will propel her to winning more majors moving forward. For Serena, it was a tremendous achievement getting to the final and giving herself another chance at capturing Grand Slam singles title number 24. Now keep in mind, Serena has played very little tennis all year. She came into Wimbledon having won 11 of, well, 16 matches, She played some really good tennis, but in the end, I felt the lack of match play this year, particularly against top five caliber opponents, finally caught up with her, particularly in the final against Halep. Now, regardless, as I've said previously, at 37 years old going on 38 in just a few weeks, Serena is still a legitimate threat to win any tournament she enters. Now, at the majors, I feel if Serena can get to the second week, she has as good a chance to win as any player in the field. It's certainly disappointing to come up short, but the positive takeaway for Serena is that despite, again, not having a lot of matches under her belt going into a Grand Slam, she came within one match of winning another major singles title. And again, not that she needs it, but it's something she can certainly build off of as she again tries to win her record-tying 24th Grand Slam singles title at the U.S. Open in a few weeks. For world number one Ash Barty, who, who I picked to win Wimbledon at the outset, She was upset in the fourth round. I mean, Barty ran into a tough grass court and motivated player in Allison Risk, and taking nothing away from Risk, I thought Barty was running on fumes. As I mentioned in my Wimbledon preview, the main question mark regarding Barty at Wimbledon was whether she would have enough in the tank after having such a tremendous first half of the year. Hopefully, Barty will manage her schedule accordingly this summer so she can recharge and be in peak form heading into the U.S. Open in the fall. And a quick shout-out to 15-year-old sensation Coco Goff, who had an impressive run to the fourth round, where she lost to the eventual champion, Simona Halep. Goff de- de- defeated Venus in straight sets in the opening round and had a brilliant comeback win in the third round versus Polona Herzog. I'm sure we'll be seeing and hearing much more from Goff for many, many years to come. Now, for the men, this was truly amazing, and it was one of the most enjoyable Wimbledons I've seen in recent memory. The final between Djokovic and Federer was the 47th of of this storied rivalry, and yes, it was outright epic. (laughs) And frankly, epic doesn't do it justice. For nearly five hours, both players gave it their all, decided by a tiebreaker at 12 games all, the first tiebreaker to decide a men's final at Wimbledon. Now Djokovic continues to make his case to be in the greatest of all time conversation. For Djokovic, this was his fifth Wimbledon crown and 16th major overall pulling him within two of Nadal and four of Federer. Now Djokovic is still a little ways away in my view, but if he continues playing at this level for the next couple of years, the greatest of all time will surely become an open discussion. For Federer, this one's going to sting a little bit. You know, he had two match points on his serve at 8-7 in the fifth set and was unable to close it out. But my gosh, Federer will be 38 years old in about three weeks. He played spectacularly. Now, how does he do it? I have no clue. Against any other opponent on grass, Federer would have won. Now, it could have gone either way, but Federer had his chances. Djokovic was simply more clutch at the big moments today, particularly in the tiebreakers. Now, besides this epic final against Djokovic, Federer faced off against Nadal in the semis, which was the 40th match of that rivalry. And it was another instant classic. The quality of play from Federer and Nadal was exceptional. Nadal played really well, but on grass, Federer was simply better. It was actually very similar with the roles reversed to what we saw from their previous head-to-head battle just a few weeks ago at the French Open semifinals, where Federer played outstanding on the clay, but Nadal was simply on another level playing on his favorite surface. Now for Federer, the hugely positive takeaway from this tough final is the elite level at which he is playing at this stage of his career. And He's got to feel pretty good about that. Hopefully, we'll all be treated to more unforgettable performances by the big three at the U.S. Open. Now, a couple of quick observations about the men's final. On Djokovic's end, you know, it was interesting for me to see yet again how Djokovic went to Federer's forehand on several of the crucial points, as he has done in previous big matches against uh, Federer in past years. As I've talked about for several years now, and in many of my podcasts, when Federer gets a little tired and or tight, it's actually his forehand wing that is a bit more vulnerable, not his backhand. This manifests not only via unforced errors, but in the quality of the shot, uh, as we saw one of Federer's match points today, where he hit a decent forehand approach on a short ball, but certainly not up to par uh, to what, uh, with what we've uh, become accustomed to seeing from him. It gave Djokovic enough of an opportunity to make the passing shot, which he did, and the rest, as they say, is history. Also, in the fifth set tiebreaker, Did you notice how Djokovic hit a few more backhands up the line to Federer's forehand? And the final point of the match was a forehand shank by Federer off of a fairly routine return. I mean, in my view, this is the underappreciated genius and greatness of Djokovic. From anywhere around the baseline, there are no holes in his game. And he will fearlessly go after any opening in his opponent's game, no matter how small of a crack that may be. That said, I was a little surprised... Federer did not try to cut a few more balls short to draw Djokovic to net and out of his comfort zone, which is a little easier to do on grass than say a hard court. It's no secret that Djokovic is not exceptional at net and is even a bit shaky on the overheads, particularly under pressure. You now, Federer played Djokovic pretty much straight up, straightforward. I'm not sure if that would have changed anything as far as the outcome, but you know in a close match like this where it's a matter of a point here or there, you just never know. Well, Would've, could've, should've, what if, right? In any case, the 2019 Wimbledon is officially a historical fact, and we now begin looking forward to the next major, the U.S. Open, which begins next month. You know, if these past few weeks from the French Open to Wimbledon are an indication of things to come, <laughs> then all I can say is bring it on. Can't wait. Well, that's all for this episode, folks. Thanks for joining us at Rock and Rally Tennis. Please subscribe to our podcast at rockandrallytennis.com. I'm James Lynn. See you next time.